0: Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 51. I am your host, Chris Romarez. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out. We have officially made it to the month of October, baby. That's right. I was going to play the Green Day song, but I didn't want to get copyright, so I threw that idea out the window, but we are less than two weeks away from the start of the NHL season. It's my favorite time of year, man. For some of you, October 1st means, I don't know, you're preparing for Halloween. You're getting the scary movies ready. You're pulling out the flannel sheets, the pajamas and everything. For me, it just means that it is the greatest time of year. That's it. Yes, if you enjoy playoff baseball, that's around the corner. The NFL now is in full swing. But to me, it's about hockey. That's right. I can smell it. Training camps are in full force. Exhibition games have started. It's just, it's exciting. I love this time of year. More importantly, fantasy hockey is basically in full swing now. This was like the next two weeks. A lot of people have their fantasy hockey drafts. You probably got your keepers in already. So that's what this show today is going to be dedicated to. We're going to be looking at how you can win your fantasy league on draft day. Now, obviously, it's hard to do that. Actually, it's impossible. You can't do that but you can definitely improve your odds. You cannot, here's here's the thing, you cannot win your league on draft day, but you most certainly can lose it, all right? You most certainly can. So is the title a little bit clickbait? Sure, don't care, doesn't matter. By not losing means it gives you a better chance at winning, right? I've done this podcast before, so if you're a regular here, A, thank you for being here. Uh, but you've probably heard some of these before. This is just a refresher. It's is like a, you know, an evergreen podcast if you want just reminding everybody of the simple rules heading into your fantasy hockey drafts because every year every draft that i'm in somebody forgets some of these golden rules and i'm like how did you make it this far it's imp- it's impossible to forget just don't do it but i figure this would be a good reminder to a lot of people as to how we prepare for fantasy hockey drafts all right so let's start off with a couple just some golden rules here, okay? One, this is probably the one that is a no-brainer, but everybody forgets. Please check your league settings. I Even if you're going back to a league that you've been into a bunch of years, maybe some of you are in some home leagues, been running 5, 10, 15 years, you know? Go back, check the rules. Make sure nothing has changed. Even if you are commissioner or whatnot, just check the rules. A, you want to make sure that they're the same as last year, if that's what you're doing. Or B, even some of the slight changes, whether it's in scoring, whether it's adding a position to your roster. Maybe you're adding one extra guy. Maybe you're adding a utility. Even as, you know, useless as the, you know, how many teams make the playoffs? What are the buys? Did you add maybe an IR plus spot instead of an IR, right? IR plus, you can put any player that has an injury designation on it. So even if they're out day to day versus injury reserve, IR means the team has to put them on injury reserve or else you can't put them there. All those little things, please, I beg you, check them before you show up to your draft. You can like show up 15 minutes early to your draft and then just check the rules just to make sure everything is the same. Like that's all you got to do. It's as simple as that. Every year somebody shows up and they get confused about scoring. And I'm like, it's, it's like nothing has changed. But for some of you, like, if you're like me, you don't have just one league, right? Like you got multiple. So just make sure you understand the rules for those, for that league in particular. I got some leagues that are just points only. I got some leagues that are head to head categories. I got some that are points, right? Like just, just check, just be sure. That's all you got to do. Easy rule. Easiest way to start off, right? Right. Always check your rules, All right. Number two, mock drafts. If you are, if if today is October 1st, if you have not mocked yet, you're already behind, right? Mock drafts are super important. It's just practice, man. I know Allen Iverson is rolling around right now. Some are going, we're talking about practice, but mock drafts are a great way to implement different strategies that you've used over the years, something you want to try and see how it works out. And how you like your team. It's practice. I know. Take the 45 minutes every, I don't know, maybe twice a week and just mock. I do about, I would say, maybe a dozen before drafts, right? So I've done a bunch of mock drafts in September. Just practicing some things that I wanna do. Do I wanna go goalie heavy at first? Do I wanna go forward heavy? Do I wanna go goalie defenseman heavy? Do I wanna punt goalies? You know, just. Try some of those different strategies in a mock draft and see what you get, right? There's no way. Maybe you are using, you know, new cheat sheet or something. If you're looking for a cheat sheet, make sure you head over to the fantasyalarm.com and get the cheat sheet and draft guide for absolutely free. That's right. I put together the draft guide again, as usual, my good buddy, Andrew Dewhurst. That is up at the fantasyalarm.com. You can go ahead, get your free. It's free. Literally, it's free. It's free. It's got so much great stuff in there. So much great stuff. I did the sleepers. I did the busts. I did the cheat sheet. Everybody loves cheat sheet, right? Show up. So maybe you're using multiple cheat sheets, right? Which is fine. You could cross. You know, I always like to have the cheat sheet that I make. And then another one, just to cross reference, see what other people are thinking. You know, I want to see what other people think. The industry are thinking how they're going about it, different strategies, different understandings, and then create my own, right? That's what I do. So maybe you're trying out a new cheat sheet. You want to see how that strategy goes. You want to implement just that or a combination, right? All that to say, please, please do a couple of mock drafts, all right? Make sure you do that, all right? So we got the two easiest ones out of the way. Number three here, this one's good. I know a lot of you are going to be like, well, I don't care. All right. When you are now your draft is started. Best player available. Right. Regardless of what your strategy is, I want you to take the best player that's available. Okay. Which ties into the next one. Number four. Right. Make sure you are flexible in your draft strategy. Those two go together. They have no choice. I hear people every year go into a draft with their strategy. I know what I'm doing. I'm taking defense heavy. I'm taking goalie heavy. I'm taking center heavy. And I'm like, what if that doesn't work out, man? You got to be able to zig when everybody else is zagging. You know what I mean? Because let's say you go into a draft and I don't know, man. Goalies start going off the board. It takes one, man. The minute, like... After Andre Vasilevsky and Igor Shosturkin, like in my books, those are like their top, you know, first round picks kind of players. Like after that, like everybody else kind of in the boat. So once that third goalie goes off the board, like now everybody else is like, oh, my God, there's three goalies off the board. I should probably secure a top one. And then goalies just go off the board. Right. And maybe there's value. You know, for a forward there that you could get your hands on. But because you're so stuck in your strategy. You're like, well, I know I got to draft a goalie or defenseman, right? Maybe you don't want to go defense, defense, but maybe there's crazy value there that you can't pass up on. Please, please take the best player available. Now, if you've done enough mock drafts, you would know, right? Placing these different strategies, what works and what doesn't. You might say, okay, well, if I go heavy here. Well, then I'll be able to find value at forward later on. I'll be able to find goalies later on. Where are these other goalies that I'm looking at, let's say, going, right? You know this information. You know how it's going to go. You've seen it. It's not exact science, but it's close enough that you get an understanding of what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Again, be flexible with your draft strategy, and please take the best player available. Even if you can't start him, so many people are like, I got to fill out my starting lineup before I do my bench wrong. You don't. The thing about fantasy hockey is it's, it's quite different from, let's say fantasy baseball and fantasy football. So fantasy football, you draft your starters and then the guys on the bench, if you're lucky are, they come in only on bye weeks right? That's it in football. Mostly everybody plays on a Sunday. So you know the the guys on the bench you hope either break out maybe you got a guy late your sleeper ends up being elite and then you got an extra piece right injuries happen so you hope like most of your starting lineup is still healthy the bench guys could come in when you need them right fantasy base, baseball is different right because basically every team plays every day so if you're drafting a whole bunch of guys on your bench they may not start the entire week you may not need to Or you'll start him maybe two or three times if you're lucky because, you know, players are out of the lineup, you know, because they're getting a day off or they're platooning or whatnot. In fantasy hockey, it's completely different because you don't have every team playing every single day or just once a week. So the guys that you draft on your quote unquote bench, they could probably start every single week. And the only time you'd have to make a decision is maybe on a Tuesday or a Saturday when there are bigger slates, right? If we're lucky, the NHL may have gifted us with like balanced slates where you don't have 12 teams on a Tuesday and then you know, two games on a Wednesday. Right? So you won't have to make as many decisions. And when you do have to make a decision on a Saturday, that's called being a fantasy hockey general manager. Then you make your call. But again, I see so many people say I can't take a centerman. I already have three. I need to fill up my left wing first. Maybe there's no value at left wing. Take a center. Take him. Figure that problem out when you get there. It's like, wh- like what? You draft him. You're never going to move them. That's it. That's the end of it. If you're in a no trade league, fine. That's a different story. But most of us are not. So take a centerman. If you have an abundance of something, it means somebody else doesn't have enough of it. Right? You have too many goalies. Good. It means somebody else doesn't have one. That's your trade partner later on in the year. You're going to find him. You guys are going to work at a deal. That's that's how this goes. I always take best player available. I don't even care if they're on the same team, man. One of my leagues, I kept Nico Heischer. I still drafted Jack Hughes. Best value there. People would be like, oh, yeah, but I don't want two centermen on the New Jersey Devils. Hey, that's the value that was given to me. I'm not going to turn that down. Oh, I can't draft this guy because I already got two players on this team. What is that logic? What is that? That doesn't make sense. Right. And look, for most people, like if, if you're like me, and you play daily fantasy, like you understand like correlation is important, right? When you're building, let's say GPP lineups and everything, you're looking for that correlation, right? You're looking for that correlation on any given night or even in cash game lineups to try to get it. But all of a sudden, when it comes to fantasy hockey, you're like, no, 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 no. I can't do that. I can't have two or more players from the same team. Like, that's not good, right? All my skaters are from the Eastern Conference. I I can't take an Eastern Conference goalie because they're going to have to face off against each other. That's, That's limiting yourself. Don't do that. Grab the best player available with the most value and then wheel and deal later. That's it. You have an abundance of something. If your center core is really, really strong, that means somebody else's center core is weak and whatever you're missing, you'll find that owner and you'll work it out. I, I promise you that's how this goes. That's how this goes. Do not pass on players because you need something. You can fill it out later on in the draft. You can fill it out via trade. You can fill it out via free agency, right? All those players on the waiver wire meet like. Every year, there's a guy on the waiver wire that we scoop up early and he becomes really, really good all year. You know what I mean? Nobody was drafting Michael Bunting really high last year, right? Oops. That worked out pretty well. Or Matt Bowley, right? In Minnesota. So be flexible. Take the best player available. I promise you it'll work out in the long run. I promise. All right. Got that. Next one. What are we at? Number five? I'll call it number five. Number five. All right. Now, this one too. If your league has those IR spots, the IR plus spots, please make sure you fill those positions by the end of draft. That means that you are going to find value later on in a draft with guys who are injured, right? Maybe long term. And you can stash them there at the beginning of the year. I'm talking about your Brad Marchands, your Gabriel Landis Cogs, right? Your Max Patch of the world. Right? I drafted Varshawn and Pacioretty today in a league. I got them at great value. And you know what? Boom. Straight to my IR. And then at the beginning of the year, A, I have roster flexibility, which means I can grab somebody off the waiver wire. It's not going to cost me a player. right? And I can figure it out. Maybe that player becomes good. Maybe I ship him off with another player. Two for one deal. Boom. So I can get a guy higher-skilled player for somebody else. Maybe some guy would rather trade one of his good players for more assets to help fill out his lineup. Boom, I can take my injured player off the IR, and I'm good to go. If you finish your draft, you do not have a player, at least one. Some of you only have one IR spot, right? That's fine. If, it, but in this league, I have two. Both of them are filled as of today. It is a great opportunity, A, to find value later on in the draft, right? Half a year max patch ready It's still probably better than a guy skating on the third line, not seeing any power play time. You know what I mean? Depends on the value that you get. If you get good value, make sure you take it. Your IR spot needs to be filled by the time you start the season. Even if you grab somebody off the waiver wire, right? Some leagues will allow you to take a player off a waiver wire and stash them straight to IR. Again, this goes back to point number one. Know your league settings. If you can do that. What are you waiting for? Stash those players. Keep them. You don't know what's going to happen, right? Maybe you're. these guys are like super useful when you're down the stretch, right? Players get injured and stuff like that. These guys come back healthy. Boom. You got a player. Maybe you use them as a trade chip, right? Maybe as they get closer to their return, you can turn these players into guys who have played well during the year. And you know what's happening. Or they can be the throw-in guy. If your IR spot is empty, man, you're just giving up value right there. There are so many players who are injured, right? John Tavares, another one. Even if they get downgraded a little bit, boom. That's why, A, your league should have the IR plus. I mean, if you're in an IR only league, oh boy, IR plus, perfect. Boom. you are done your draft. First thing you do, you stash those two players on IR. You wait for waivers to pass, pick up a player for free. There's still value in in your free agent pool. After your draft, I promise you go out, pick up some high risk, high reward players. That'll give you a ton of upside. Always fill your IR spot before the season starts. Okay. That's number five. Number six is specific to category leagues. Okay. I see a lot of people try to draft every category and that is a no, no. Okay. One, if you're in a league that has plus minus, Please reconsider being in that league. Plus minus is the stupidest stat on the face of the earth. It means absolutely nothing. It is useless. It is random. I don't like it. I am in leagues that have it. I do not care for it. It's a meaningless stat. I don't care. I don't care about it. So I see people worried about the plus minus of a player in a draft. Right, I get that players who play for the Colorado Avalanche last season, like Devon Taves, who had a crazy plus-minus. It's really like good. He was on a good team. Things went well. I don't care about the plus-minus. I'm not looking for players who are going to win the plus-minus. If you're in a head-to-head category, single win. So if you win the most categories, you pick up the win for the week, just one. I am punting categories that are random. I am talking plus-minus. I am talking hits. I am talking block shots. I do not care. Hits, especially. Like, like block shots, fine. Like, that is more controllable. But hits, bro, I don't care about hits. If you, like, elite players don't really hit, right? Like, you don't see Connor McDavid throwing his weight around, right? <laughs> you know why? Because Connor McDavid has the puck on his stick all the time. So, if you're an elite player with the puck on your stick, it's really hard to throw your weight around, right? Good possession, puck possession players do not hit. They do not block shots because they have the puck on their stick. So you cannot downgrade them for doing exactly what they should be doing. Right? Look, when it comes to hits, especially that category, because I hate it. I punked it. I don't care. You can find a player on the waiver wire who will give you all the hits you want. Right? You're Radko Gudis of the world. Man is projected to have over 300 hits this year. You want to know what his puck possession numbers are? Yeah, exactly. They're in the toilet. Not very good. Hashtag not good. But a lot of people are going to overvalue Radko Gudis in hit leagues. They're going to take him over a player with a ton of upside. Radko Gudis is not going to win your league every single week. He's not. You can fill that out. Like, if you, like, Radko Gudis going crazy early. By the way, I think Luke Shen is expected to get over 250 hits next year. Luke Shed by the way, okay? If you're not sure where he is, he's in Vancouver, okay? So you don't have to hockey DB his name. You can get him for free off the waiver wire. Didn't cost you anything. There's no reason to be targeting certain categories. Look, if you have a decision between two players who are equal in points, same opportunity and one guy throws his weight around a little bit more, blocks more shots, cool. Fine, let that be the deciding factor, but do not sit in your draft going, man, I need to draft somebody who's going to throw some hits, right? Like you can find guys as well who block shots, man. Alec Martinez, shout out to my man. I mean, he's been in my DFS lineup all the time because he blocked shots. He's going undrafted. Calvin DeHaan, I don't know. I mean, last season he went, he had like three, no, three or more block shots in like 12 straight games when he was playing in Chicago. He's, he, he was in Carolina at a PTO. He signed for one year. Calvin Dahan is free. There are so many players with hits and block shots that you can get for free. Remember those players you put on the IR earlier? Remember the ones you're waiting to come back? You can replace those players with those type of free agent guys. The guys you get off the waiver wire who you can just rotate all week and find the perfect matchup for guys who throw their weight around. Right. I get it. A lot of people are going to overvalue Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, because they throw their weight around and stuff like that. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not reaching on a guy because he does something without the puck. Those are volatile numbers that you can get from lower quality players for free. You know why? Because I want to take an upside late in my draft on guys like, like, like Mason McTavish, right? who I expect to make the Anaheim Ducks, who might have himself a pretty good year. Those are the type of guys I want to look at. I want to look at guys who are maybe not on the power play just yet, but the upside is there for them to get there. I want to take a chance on certain players that are on bad teams but are going to see a ton of ice time. That's what I want. I don't want to be focusing on Brad Goodis. I don't want to be focusing on Ryan Reeves. What are you talking about? Those guys do nothing outside of those two stats. Right, like I said, in a one in like a head-to-head categories where each category matters, I get wanting to play more cats, but I will consistently lose the plus-minus if that means I can win every other category. Right, I want players who score goals, rack up assists, take shots, play on the power play. All right, you're not taking up shorthanded specialists if your league counts shorthanded points. Right, You're not doing that. It's just one of those things. You're like, okay, if it happens, it happens. I'm not wasting an opportunity on guys like that. There's no reason. None. Stop doing it. I'm going to fill up my lineup with the two IR spots that I freed up with guys who can just, I don't know, do something. I need a couple of hits. And if I lose that category every week, so be it. If at the end of the year I play 500 in those two categories, fine. But I expect my fantasy hockey team every single week to dominate in goals, assists, shots, points, power play points, all the offensive categories that you can control. Elite players will do that, and then I'll figure out the rest later on. I'll plug them with low-level defensemen and just, I don't know, the Corey Perrys of the world. You know what I mean? that's like don't please do not overvalue those positions i do not care and again if you're in a league with plus minus please for the love of god reevaluate why you have that stat in a point like a head-to-head points league or like the plus minus is like a minus one or something that's the worst absolutely the worst i hate it i almost don't play in those leagues like it's random man your team could be losing you you pull the goalie And you got your best players on the ice and they score an empty net and then both all those good players going to bite us one because they were trying to tie it up. You know, God forbid you want to take some value on whoever is playing in Arizona or Chicago and boom, you can't because it's going to give up like 300 goals this year. You know what I mean? Doesn't make sense. Don't do that. Don't value those categories. Value categories that matter and you can fill out the rest of your lineup with, you know, those depth players via the waiver wire. Okay. Got it. Good. Number 6. It's probably the final one too. This one's important. This one kind of happens right after the draft. Okay? But it's still part of the draft in my mind. Okay? Please be active in the trade market. You just finished your draft. You have an abundance or a shortage of something. Find the owner who has the opposite and start working the phone. Let's go. A I never want to hear you say a player is untradeable. That is false. Wayne Gretzky was once traded. He was the best player to ever touch the ice. If he could get traded in real life, you could trade your fictitious player on your fictitious team to somebody else. I hate when a manager says. No, I'm not trading him. Or, hey, is this guy available? No, he's my best player. What? What do you mean he's not available, right? Even if it's not for sale, right? Like, think about it. Imagine you had a house. Some guy comes up to you and says, hey, man, I'm like, I want to buy your house. You're like, no, my house is not for sale. Guy turns around and says, I'll give you $4 million for your house, bro. You're like, yeah, it's for sale. Okay. So what's the difference in fantasy hockey? If you immediately say no, you have no conversation. Here's how every conversation goes in every single league I have, especially fantasy hockey. Hey, is this player available? Sure. What are you looking to give up to acquire him? And then you start a conversation. Maybe they'll lowball you, they give you an offer. You say, no, nah, man, we're not even close. You go on their team and you start looking. Right? Maybe they send you a trade for a good player. Counter it. Say, hey, this is what I would do. I I would trade this player for XYZ. And then they say, "Nah, man, that, that's too much. Okay. Well, you asked what it would take to acquire him. I told you what it was. Can we work from there or not? Yes or no. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. Maybe the end of that conversation, it takes all 10 minutes. You go back to doing whatever you were doing in your day. But if you do not have that conversation, and this goes on like throughout the year, by the way, but the minute you finish your draft, man, look at other people's teams and see what they're missing. That abundance that you have, you can get it, right? And I don't want to hear this, oh, I can't trade this guy. It was my first pick of the draft. Once your draft is over, where you pick them is irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant, right? He's like, hey, I took him third overall, like third round or like third overall. I can't trade him. Well... Like you got another player in like the 17th round. So should I give you nothing for him because he's basically useless? No. What if he breaks out? He becomes great. I'm not giving you a player based on your round. I'm trying to exploit value. I'm trying to exploit what happens in the future. Right? I hear Otis say, no, I'm not, I'm not trading in the first few weeks. What do you mean you're not doing, man? Maybe you picked a player. Doesn't look good. I don't know, man. You change the feeling. You don't like it. Maybe you find value somewhere else. Or maybe you want another player that you had your hopes on, go out there and get it. Trade them before. There's, it's, it's a lot more high risk, high reward at the beginning because you're not sure how they're going to turn out, but that's where you can also get value, right? If the season starts going and I don't know, the guy cools off, maybe it's going to be harder to trade that player or the opposite. Player gets really hot. Now the asking price is through the roof for him. You don't have the assets or you don't want to trade the assets for it. Do not, and please do not, like I said, do not be that guy who says, no X player is not available. I don't even care if that player is in your fantasy hockey team name, bro. Change the name. If you have to. Every player on your fantasy hockey team is available for trade at the right price, including Connor McDavid, by the way, including whatever it's about value. It's about what you see, obviously trading elite players, right? And try to get elite players back. It's hard because nobody wants to give up anything, right? But every player on your team is available. And when they ask, what do you want for him? No, 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 no. You ask me, you told, you said, hey, is this guy available? What are you thinking? Let him, the guy inquiring about a player gets to put his foot down first. And say, okay, this is what I'm offering. And start from there. And be competitive, by the way. When you do that, don't lowball an owner, okay? Because all that does is a poor relationship right off the start. All right. Give him something that you would think that you would accept. Don't explain your trade because it makes, doesn't matter what you think, right? People see value differently. But don't start all the way back. Don't worry. I guarantee you if you're trading for an elite player, you're going to have a few back and forth, right, before you find what you need. It's rare that somebody takes a trade on the first cent unless you really figure out what you what the other guy needs. I've had a couple of trades. I I just proposed one thing. And the other one says, yeah, I'll do that. He said, okay fine maybe we see value differently in players that's fine you can have opposing opinions about players and not be on the same page but every player on your fantasy team is available for whatever the right price is do not be that guy who has his home who turns down five million dollars or doesn't even let the person talk about it and do not get attached to your players who do not who on your fictitious team okay do not do that. Do not worry about trading. Oh, I don't want to acquire this guy because I already have two, you know, two devil players. Bro, look, we're not diversifying your RRSP portfolio here. Okay. If that's, if you can acquire players and they're the best players, acquire them and then trade them. Those players are not stuck to your team for the rest of your life, man. Wheel and deal. That's good. Teams Win based on trades i've like it's 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 almost impossible to win a league without making a single trade almost impossible you have to do it you have to so start right after the draft maybe somebody auto draft they don't like their team all right see if you can get something out of it we know that the auto draft is the worst thing in the world go out there find some value find owners every player on your team is available the minute the draft ends. That's it. Start up a conversation with somebody. Say, hey, man, you did well in the draft. I see you're missing here, though. I have this. What would you think about X, Y, Z? Hmm, maybe. I wouldn't do that, but I would do X for Y instead. I don't think I'd do Y. Maybe what about Z for X? That's how conversations go, and then you move closer. And again, if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Fine, you try and move on. All right? I'm not saying you have to get married to that trade. You absolutely have to figure something out, but show willingness to deal, show willingness to listen to other owners and see what they have to offer. Because you never know, man, maybe some guy's going to blow you away. So you know what, man? All right, I'll give you what you want. I, I value this guy a lot in my book. Okay, I'll give you this or I'll do this. Or maybe an injury hits and all of a sudden, okay, hey, I know we talked about this two weeks ago, but now you're down this. What do we do this and this instead? Every player on your fantasy hockey team is available. Do never say no. Are you willing to trade player? The only answer out of your mouth is yes, I'm willing. Depends what you're sending my way. Got it? Those are some of the guides, some of the rules that I like to follow for my fantasy hockey draft. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of our episode. As always, thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you're not following me on Twitter, make sure you do so at Fuzzy Chris 91. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. Make sure you go ahead and do that. You can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, the YouTube channel as well. Right. Make sure you go ahead. YouTube, search Slapshot Podcast hit the sub button, ring the bell. Okay. Do all of that. The next time we talk to each other, I'm off to Mexico, by the way. So <laughs> I'm going to put my behind in the sand. Next time we talk to each other, the NHL season is going to be already started. So remember, you got drafts coming up. Go out, master these tools, master what I've told you, and go out there and win a championship. All right? I love you. Talk again soon.